0: Okay, well, good evening, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you. Thank you for coming out here. It is uh, it is slightly chilly, but we can handle it. We've been th- we've been through harder things than this. <clears throat> um, we are hopeful that it will be warmer. Uh, I want to congratulate you, uh, especially those of you who have just had your first college class, where you can see everyone's mouth. Congratulations! <laughs> it's very exciting. Um, my name is Lewis Lovett. I'm the campus minister. I'm really excited to be with you tonight. Uh, we're continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer. This. Prayer that Jesus gives us in Matthew six, in the famous Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus invites us into His very words with God, this secret that He has with the Father, that He shares with us, that He invites us into. And last week we talked about uh, we talked about forgiveness. We talked about the section that says, "Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us." And we talked about this rhythm of the Christian life of breathing in God's forgiveness for us, and then breathing out forgiveness in other people. And tonight, we're going to talk about your favorite topics, temptation and evil. Lead us not into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from evil. So anyways, let me pray, or let me read the passage, and I'll pray, and we'll, get, we'll jump in. Uh, from Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus said this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to you and to me because he loves us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, the gift of this night. Uh, Thank you for your Holy Spirit that works through your word. And Lord, I do pray, especially tonight as we look to your word, that your spirit would protect us uh, against any evil. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I remember the first time that I became aware of the evil in my own heart. I was, in the, uh, I was in the third grade, which is the same grade as some people who are here tonight who I'm related to. Uh, this is not the first time I was evil. This is just the first time I was aware of my evil. But I was hanging out with a friend in third grade named, uh, we'll call him Patrick. Uh, Patrick, it turned out, was a fairly bad influence. A a few years later, Patrick became the first person to give me a sip of adult beverage uh, far before it should have happened. But uh, Patrick and I had this idea one day at recess in third grade, Patrick had a AA battery. And we started bashing this AA battery with a rock until we, like, got it opened. And, And what we found inside was this sort of, like, viscous metallic looking liquid stuff which we thought was battery acid. I don't think that that like Alkaline batteries even have battery acid. This is like the electrolyte in there that does something ask laws. <laughs> and um we uh, had this idea. I don't know if it was Patrick's idea or my idea, but what we did was we once we had this open, this stuff was oozing out and we went to the water fountain around the playground, to the outdoor recess playground water water fountain and we like put it on the lip of the water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I don't know what we were thinking and I honestly don't know what would have happened if that had like, gotten on someone's lips. Um, but thankfully somebody saw us and the teacher found out and like, you know, a little bit later I'm sitting in Mrs. Tate's office with her and my mom. And, um, and, I, and I had that feeling when, when we were doing this, I, I had that feeling of like, um, you know, it's like part exhilaration and part fear and part curiosity and part like delight and part like willful wrongdoing. Like, you know that feeling? Like, we've, we've had this feeling, right? This is like a week, your freshman year, you had this feeling a few times probably. So I have this feeling, but then I also remember the feeling that I had when I got uh, into that office. And it was that, like, that total shift into all shame, all embarrassment, all regret, all sadness, all anger, that, that for a little kid to realize, like, I, you know, I, I did this thing that my own kind of selfishness and curiosity led to that could have, like, destroyed somebody else. Like, that moment where I realized I actually have evil in my heart. I was eight years old. Uh, have you had moments like that in your life where you, you are aware all of a sudden of the evil in your heart? Of the ability that you have within yourself to do harm because you want to? It's a moment I won't forget. The, this, this section of prayer, Jesus addresses evil. He addresses the evil. And, and so we have to kind of stop and ask ourselves, what, what is evil? And, that's where, and that's, where I want to, that's where I want to start tonight. Um we've, we've talked, if you've been uh, here this semester, uh, about, about God, this whole, this whole series through the Lord's Prayer. We started with God the, God, the Father in heaven, who's the ruler over all, who rules with love. And, and, and we've talked uh, about his kingdom that is coming. And the, the kingdom of God is this rule and reign of the one true king, who's Jesus. And his rule and his reign, his authority, his kingdom is marked by his love and his truth and his mercy and his justice. And so what evil is, is evil is anything that opposes Jesus' kingdom. It's anything that opposes the love and truth and mercy and justice of Jesus. That's what what evil is, okay? And and historically, the the church of Jesus has recognized that evil comes from three different places. It comes from our sin, it comes from the world, and it comes from the devil, okay? So sin is probably a category you're, you're at least a little familiar with. Sin is me in third grade putting battery stuff on, on, a, on a water fountain, right? Sin is the thing in us that opposes God, okay? Now, when we talk about the world. We're talking about a, a little bigger scale, like the powers and institutions and influences and beliefs of the world at large that are in opposition to God's kingdom. And, and then the third one is, is the devil. And, and I don't know what you think of when you hear me say the word devil, uh, my, my experience is that we either talk about the devil like way too much. It's where we like attribute every negative thing that happens in the entire world in our lives to some outside power. Or Others of us, and this is probably more my own experience, don't talk about the devil enough. We kind of think about it as some sort of like Christian fairy tale, this thing that is barely even real and doesn't really have any impact on us and our lives. And I don't know where you, where you stand on that, but the teaching of this passage is that this is actually a real person who is the foe, the ancient foe of God the Father, who is in opposition to the kingdom of God, who was uh, at one time an angel in light with God, and who challenged God for, for authority over heaven, wanting it for himself, and God defeated him and cast him down to this place, where he is at work with accusations and with deceptions, and with temptations, to try to stir up more evil, to stir up more opposition to God and his kingdom, okay? I, I, I'm talking about this because one of the things that I think Jesus is trying to do is to open our eyes to the realities of evil in the world so that we can know, if we are Christians, what do we do, okay? And so here's what I want to say. If this wind in the mic is distracting, tell me and I will change tactics. So I'm gonna look at you, you're gonna give me a signal, okay? Yes? Yep. We'll call him Patrick, but that was his name. Um, so, so here's what I want to say. Um, that this, this praying of the Lord's Prayer, uh, it forms us uh, in two ways. The first is that it forms us to admit evil. And the second is that praying the Lord's Prayer forms us to attack evil. To admit evil and to attack evil, okay? So, so first, uh, praying the Lord's Prayer forms us to, to admit evil. Evil. And and I want to say a couple things here about what Jesus is is not saying, okay? Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, okay? So here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that if you don't pray this prayer, God will lead you into temptation. He is not saying that. God never, ever tempts you to sin. He does not deal in temptation. He deals in love and mercy, okay? Uh, James 1.13 says that God never tempts. Anyone, okay? So Jesus is not saying that if you don't pray this, that God will God will tempt you. Okay. The other thing that Jesus is not saying is that um, if you pray this, then you won't be tempted. It kind of makes it sound like if Lord, uh, take, don't don't lead us into temptation. It means if we pray this, then we won't be tempted. Um, the Bible is also really clear that you will be tempted. We, we know this from our experience. If we're trying to follow God, I know not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but if you are trying to follow Him, you, you know that uh, you, you are tempted. So here's what I think Jesus is saying, okay? The, the first thing I think Jesus is saying is forming in us is an admission of our, of our susceptibility to temptation. An admission of our susceptibility to temptation. One commentator that I like, he said this about this part of Jesus' prayer. He described it as a profoundly humble admission of our incapacity. A profoundly humble admission of our incapacity. Jesus is calling us to admit that both we are tempted and that we are unable to fight it on our own. And, and I want to just challenge you to stop for a second and consider how radically countercultural that is. Because you are, you are in, in a culture and at a school that is proclaiming to you in every possible way that if you are smart enough and you work hard enough, there's nothing you can't do. Christians don't believe that. Christians don't believe that. Christians admit that no matter how smart you are or how hard you try, there are some things that you can't do. You actually can't on your own resist and fight temptation. You need help. You need help. Now, uh, again, we talked about this a little bit last week. We don't always act; Christians don't always act like we're the people who are admitting that we need help. But it's actually really fundamental to what we believe. As people who are dependent on God, that we cannot fight these fights on on our own. We're we're weak. We lack self-control. We're selfish. We're easily confused and misguided. We're motivated by our fears and insecurities. Who who wants in? Who's who's coming with me? That's what we believe about who we are. So praying lead us into temptation is in itself an act of humility. It's an admission of how susceptible we are to temptation, okay? That's the the first thing Jesus is saying. Here's the second thing Jesus is saying when he says lead us not into temptation. It's also an admission of our our vulnerability to temptation. Not just our susceptibility, but our vulnerability. And here's what I mean by this. Um, there are some times in Jesus' life where there's something uh, particularly important or profound happening in his life where, where he talks about temptation. And, and the most obvious example of this is in Matthew chapter 4. This is at the beginning of the Gospels, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's, uh, he's grown up into adulthood. He's just been baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. This is where the, the, the dove, the Holy Spirit comes down to form a dove on him. And this voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And, and the next thing that's going to happen is that Jesus is going to gather 12 disciples and he's going to go start proclaiming the kingdom and healing people and setting them free from their sins. He's about to go do that. But before he does, God leads him out into the wilderness where it says in Matthew 4.1, uh, he was tempted by the devil. So Jesus is at this uh, major crossroads in his life. He's at this moment of significant transition and change. He's at this moment where he's about to do something really important. And in that kind of moment, in particular, the devil tempts him. So that means that when you are at a crucial crossroads in your life, when you're facing a big transition or change in your life, when you have something really important going on, you are particularly vulnerable to temptation. Because God's enemy, this ancient foe, the devil, does not want that to go well for you. He actually wants to use how uncertain that is, and how unstable that is, and how nerve-wracking that is, and how anxious those times of our lives are to stir up opposition to the kingdom, to guide you away from love and truth and mercy and justice. Those are actually the times when we're most vulnerable. So it means if you're getting ready to finish up college, which some of you are. If you're getting ready to make a, make a change, if you're looking for a job, if you're thinking about a big decision and growing a relationship, if you're going through a tragedy, if you're going through a breakup, if you're going through a moment of particular anxiety or pressure, you need to be vigilant about the reality that there's a target on your back in those kind of moments. You're actually really vulnerable to, to temptation in those moments. He, he wants to lure you away in your vulnerability from the ways and the life and the love of Jesus. So, so praying this, it forces us to admit our inability to resist, but it also forces us to admit how vulnerable we are. This is a counter-culturally humble thing to do to say, lead us not into temptation. We're saying, God, we are not able to fight this on our own. We need help, okay? So that's the first thing. We have to admit evil, we have to admit that we're susceptible to it and we're vulnerable to it, okay? But, but praying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, doesn't just form us to admit evil. It also forms us to, to attack evil. And, and the weapon that we have in our arsenal is, is prayer. Okay, I'll just tell you that. The weapon that we have to attack and to counter against evil is... Prayer. That's why Jesus gives us this prayer deliver us from evil. And, and some uh, scholars of the Bible would say that this should be deliver us from the evil one, not just evil as an idea, but from this, this person who's opposing God. So we've, we've admitted that when it comes to temptation, that, that we're in a fight that we cannot win, right? And simply put, this prayer, deliver us from evil, is a prayer asking for God to enter into the arena of the fight for our souls. And to be our hero, to be our champion, like we just sung. To be the warrior who fights for us and defends us against the evil one, when we cannot fight for and defend ourselves. We're actually asking him to do this. And it's important to say this too: deliver us from evil is a prayer that God says yes to us, because He said no to it in Jesus. And we talked about these big moments in Jesus' life where, where He was tempted. We talked about at the beginning of His of his ministry. Uh, the other big moment that stands out as I've reflected on this is, is at the end, the, the night that Jesus is betrayed. One of the most uh, emotionally painful nights that anyone has ever endured probably. This is the night of the Last Supper. So this is Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples. That's where they, they honor God for how he saved his people out of slavery in Egypt. He's um, broken bread and drank wine with them, instituting the Last Supper communion. This is where Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. And then they leave this room, and they go up on the Mount of Olives to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus goes off to pray. Jesus knows that Judas, one of his disciples, has already given himself over to Satan to betray him. Jesus knows that evil men are coming to do evil things to him. And do you remember what he prays? He says, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. You know what he's praying? Lord, deliver me from this evil that's coming for me tonight. Deliver me. But everything that followed was evil. Instead of love, people came after him with hatred. The very same people he came to love and to save. Instead of truth, they made up lies about him to accuse him. Instead of mercy, they beat him and mocked him mercilessly. And and the ultimate act of injustice occurs, where the one innocent and sinful human to ever live is punished for the sins of all. This This is evil. And for two days... Evil triumphed. For two days, the enemy, the devil, the evil one, thought he'd finally done it. He thought he'd finally defeated God. He thought he'd finally destroyed him. Some of you may know this story. Um, about, this is about 10 years ago. There's an American woman named Jessica Buchanan, and she was working for a, uh, a Danish uh, aid relief uh, in Somalia. Where she was uh, trying to t- to teach children how to identify and avoid landmines. It's kind of an incredible thing to, to give your life to. Uh, and and Somalia uh, at this time is is a particularly war torn and dangerous place. A- and one day Jessica was was in a was in a car with a- another person who worked for the same the same group and a, a group of Somali bandits um, stopped their car and abducted them, a- and they took them out to the to the middle of nowhere. And uh, for 93 days, this woman, Jessica Buchanan, was left out in the open, given minimal food and water and nothing else for 93 days, Uh, while this uh, group of bandits tried to negotiate for a a ransom from Western powers that be. And and eventually, towards the end of this time, uh, through a hostage negotiator who was trying to talk and negotiate for her release, uh, it was communicated to the U.S. government that she was, like, severely ill. She had a really, really bad infection. Uh, She could not stand. She could not walk. And and, uh, doctors determined that she might only have days to live. And this conversation kind of rose up until it it was happening uh, in the Oval Office with President Obama. And and President Obama ordered uh, Navy SEALs to, to go and rescue her. So on the night of the, of the 93rd day, as a new moon, almost pitch dark, middle of nowhere in Somalia, she hears this uh, scratching noise as she's laying there in pain with a kidney infection. And, and the guards hear it too, and they stand up, and then the night just like erupts in gunfire. And, and, in, the, and in the chaos of all this noise and all this light and flashbangs, uh, someone grabs her, and she thinks she's about to die, and then she hears her name. Are you Jessica Buchanan? I'm with the US military. I'm here to take you home. And, and, they, and they pick her up, and, and she's you know delirious with exhaustion and, and her illness. And she keeps saying, I, I don't understand. Where did you come from? I don't understand where did you come from? And, and a soldier picks her up and just runs away from the fight. And eventually the rest of the rest of these soldiers, they they go with them where they're waiting for the helicopter to come and pick them up. But they're afraid that these uh, bandits might be still out there following them. And so they, they lay on the ground in a circle around her. And then they lay on top of her, ready to take whatever bullets might come her way. And, and eventually the helicopter comes and they pick her up again and they jump in the helicopter. And, and I'm not trying to be like overly patriotic here, but this, this part gets me every time. They, they hand her a folded American flag in the helicopter. And, and she talked later in interviews about just breaking down in tears when she saw that flag. She said it was as if they were telling me, don't forget who you belong to. Of course we're going to come for you. You're one of us. For two days, evil was triumphing. For two days, the enemy thought he'd won. And then God crept into evil. He snuck up on death. He infiltrated it with his glory and with his power. And Jesus lived. And he breathed. And he walked again. The resurrection of Jesus is God's special ops rescue of us against evil and sin and temptation and darkness and, yes, death itself. And Jesus wants you to know that the banner over you is love. So when you read Deliver Us from Evil, when you consider what Jesus has done to enter into evil, to go into the dark of death, to get you, to bring you home safe and sound, that he's saying to you, don't you remember whose you are? You have a Father in heaven who loves you. You are his child. Of course I'm going to come and get you. Of course I'm going to rescue you. I love you. You're my child. The way that this forms us to attack evil is through faith. Through faith in the reality that that this evil has been dealt a death blow already. And it cannot keep you captive. And in fact, you've been rescued by one who has ensured that you will be free from evil, both within and without, forever with him Because you're his child, and he loves you. And as powerful as the evil is in you, and as powerful as the brokenness of the world is, and as powerful as this enemy of God, his ancient foe, the devil, is, far more powerful is the love and grace of God for you in Jesus Christ. It explodes into the night and rescues you, and there's nothing that the evil can do about it. I I want to offer a a few applications to consider here as I I finish up about what it means to pray the Lord's Prayer: "Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." Uh, The the first is this: is to pay attention to your temptations. Pay attention to your temptations. What are the things that tend to tempt you? Is, Is it boys who act and look a certain way? Is it ice cold beer on a Friday night? Is it just you and your computer alone at night? Is it what happens in your heart and your mind when you look at your body in the mirror? Is it that, that driving urge to succeed no matter what? What, what? what are the things that are those temptations for you? Uh, if you're like me, the, the things that tempt me haven't really changed all that much. They're kind of the same thing. Ben's I kind of say I've got like my big three. They're the same ones I've had my whole life. I haven't changed. Uh, what, I, what I need to grow in is paying attention to them so that when I recognize them, I can, I can stop and pray. And I'll tell you this. We, we talked about this. If you've been coming to the Wednesday night uh, series on relationships, we talk a lot about friendship. One of the best things you can do is to have people in your life who know your temptations, even though really, really bad, embarrassing ones, so that they can have your back. Because we are kinds of people who admit that we cannot fight it on our own, right? Okay, so one, pay attention to your temptations, okay? Uh, and the second one, which is sort of an extension of that, is to, don't, to not put yourself in high temptation scenarios. We have this, um, this sense that this time I'll be able to stand against temptation. I'll be fine this time. Don't worry. I'm going back in there. I'm going back into the lion's den. Stop it and admit that you're weak. <laughs> Stop putting yourself in high temptation scenarios, Okay. Uh, And the the last thing I'll say is this, is is to notice the order of the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to talk about this every week. We talked about it last week, too. Notice where this teaching about temptation and evil falls. It comes right after, forgive us our trespasses. And I just want to remind you that you are facing temptation and evil as ones who have breathed in the forgiveness of God for you. I want to remind you that you face temptation and evil as ones for whom Jesus has shed his blood because he loves you. That means that you don't have to be afraid of your temptations. Even when you fall to them, they can't destroy you because Jesus has forgiven you and he loves you. And because he has entered into the very heart of evil and destroyed it in his resurrection, it means that you actually have power. Now, it doesn't mean you have power to, to never sin. You don't have that power like we said but you do have power. The one who conquered, who conquered evil is in you and with you right now and all the time. And far more powerful than the evil in the world and in your own heart is the love and grace for you from God in Christ. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy.